1: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Kyle Anzalone from libertarian.org and antiwar.com joins us now. Kyle, always a pleasure. Glad you could be here, and thank you for coming back.
2: Thank you Um, for having me back on.
1: Sure. Is the United States preparing for an open-ended war against the Houthi group in Yemen?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what's going on right now. There's a new report out in the Washington Post talking with U.S. government officials who explained that they have little exit strategy and no firm end date for the war in Yemen, uh, but they're going to continue to carry out attacks anyways. We also had a report out from Bloomberg yesterday that explained that the U.S. and U.K. are looking at ways to escalate the conflict. So not only does it seem endless at point at this point, but also that they're looking to escalate it.
1: Uh, take a look at this. You may have seen it. It's ridiculous. It's Joe Biden, President Biden, right outside the White House, being asked a question about whether or not his bombing of the Houthis is, quote, working.
0: Are the airstrikes in the working? Well, when you say working, are they stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? Yes.
1: I mean, does the United States stand in a position to stop the Houthis or is this just the beginning of a wider war? Because that's what uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu wants. He wants to draw the U.S. in.
2: Yeah, well, it certainly seems like the start of a wider war. And you're talking about not just Yemen there, but potentially Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, and even Iran. But you know, in, in that particular comment, I think that's Biden and some of his most honest that we've seen him during his presidency, it makes absolutely no sense. But the US policy for Yemen largely doesn't. The US from 2015 until 2022 bat Saudi Arabia, Raging waging an absolutely brutal war in Yemen, and it was they were unable to remove the Houthis from power. Not only that, the Houthis got stronger as time went on and fought the Saudis to a standstill. And Saudi Arabia ended up having to ask Yemen for peace, and that's the peace that they're negotiating right now. And you know, the the Saudi war in Yemen was absolutely brutal during the middle of a cholera epidemic in the country. They were bombing cholera treatment facilities. They were depriving the country of food, water, bombing farms, factories, anything that you could find. Even school buses were were bombed by U.S. bombs uh, by Saudi Arabia and Yemen. And uh, still, the the Houthis did not relent. And the U.S. is certainly not going to wage a more brutal war in Yemen than the Saudis did. And they used American technology and warplanes and things like that to do it. And so the the tech is the same as well. And so there's no reason to expect that the U.S. will be able to dislodge the Houthis from power or force them into to meet their demands.
1: Does the American public know that the American military bombed school buses and murdered uh, children in a country uh, in which the Congress never declared war or authorized the use of
2: military force and for purposes that the president can't even articulate? Uh, You know, they certainly should, because this was reported in CNN. It was Saudi Arabia, you know, with all U.S. help maintaining their planes, all the logistic help flying their planes, and using U.S. made bombs to hit that school bus. I think that was in 2018. It was reported in CNN that was a U.S. bomb and everything, but it didn't turn the American people against the war. Didn't um, two Navy SEALs? Uh,
1: recently die in, in some effort? I, I I don't know exactly what they were uh, doing. Were they trying to board Houthi ships? Were they What were they doing at sea that caused them to, to be killed or to die?
2: So this occurred 10 days ago, and it occurred around the same time, within maybe a few hours, of the initial round of U.S. airstrikes in Yemen. And what they claimed, they were intercepting a ship that Iran had sent with components on it four Houthi missiles, and they were uh, you know, sending that from Iran to Yemen uh, when it got intercepted. What they say is during rough seas, an eight-foot wave forced an American uh, Navy SEAL off the ship they were trying to board, and apparently it's Navy SEAL policy for the Nets man to jump in after, and so after 10 days, they gave up the search and admit the soldiers died, but you know, it now seems like this is a part of the war effort against Yemen, trying to Uh, intercept these components. They publish pictures of them. Uh, They claim they're from Iran. The the U.S. has made this claim several times. It could be true. I I don't see any reason to believe the the Pentagon just because they published a picture. Okay,
1: so there are ships in the Red Sea destined for
2: uh, Israel
1: with supplies for the Israeli government and the Israeli uh, public, and the Houthis are stopping them, and that's uh, wrong, and the U.S. has got to break that up. Uh, but if there are ships destined for the Houthis with supplies for them, the U.S. can stop those ships, and that's right.
2: Yeah, now Do we I have that this been- right. Yeah. And they've been doing that for, since 2015 on. And not just, you know, ships that the U.S. claims has weapons, but Saudi Arabia has forced even, you know, U.N. and other international organizations, aid ships, to uh, on undergo a very intense inspections protocol that would force ships, even those going to southern Yemen that were in the, the, a city that was in the hands of the Saudi-backed government to have all their goods inspected in Saudi Arabia and then sail to Yemen from there. And so this really slowed down aid uh, transport to Yemen for years. And there's been about 400,000 people at the very least who have died from the Saudi war in Yemen. And about half of those deaths, I think actually the number is 60% was from starvation. And so the the U.S. blockade of Yemen was far more consequential than the Houthi attempt to uh, reroute Israeli ships from the Red Sea. And now Congress uh, wants to do what? Congress wants to uh, pay the
1: military industrial complex to produce more weapons, to uh, replace those that were expended or destroyed in this undeclared, unauthorized, illegal war against Yemen.
2: Yeah, that's right, judge. We have a case here where Biden has, you know, unilaterally declared the authority to just wage an endless war in Yemen, and Congress is looking to take action, but not to rein in the president just to fund uh give extra funding to the Pentagon to replace the missiles that they're using there. And so this is uh seems to be spearheaded so far by Mitch McConnell, and what they want to do is that massive aid bill that they've been talking about with border security and Ukraine aid, aid for Israel, they also want to include I'm I'm guessing a few billion dollars for Tomahawk missiles and sea-based interceptors uh, to, to replace what's being used here in the war in Yemen. You ever uh,
1: see on C-SPAN uh, Rand Paul standing in the floor of the Senate uh, making a speech using one of the words that's forbidden in Washington, D.C., peace, P-E-A-C-E. You, you might occasionally see something uh, from one of the lefties as well. So, uh, C-SPAN, C-SPAN's camera. I know this personally, is is stationary. It can't move. But if it could, you'd see that the Senate is empty. That when Rand Paul uses the word peace, he's not staring at Mitch McConnell's uh, face or Chuck Schumer's face. There's nobody there because the Senate is not interested in a debate about war and peace. The war party in Congress, which is about 80% of both parties in both houses, just wants to kill. And they're happy, I think, give me your view on this, when the president does this on its own, because if something goes bad, they can't uh, take the blame. And if something goes well, they'll say, well, we funded it.
2: Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree with you. That's why Congress isn't acting in one way to, you know, institute the War Powers Act to rein in President Joe Biden and say you absolutely cannot do this. You know, they could also cite the Constitution for that, but uh, neither of those things are happening. They're just going to fund the wars. Uh, You know, from Congress, it it seems like mostly positive uh, Biden bombing Yemen. There are some members of Congress, particularly Democrats, who have come out and said that they're opposed to it. Also, some of the, you know, better Republicans, especially uh, Congressman Thomas Massey, have come out and said that we cannot allow this this to happen is a violation of our constitution, but it, it seems more likely what's going to happen is Congress is just going to fund this, uh, and that's the way they're going to give approval for Biden to do this. Here, Thomas
1: Massey is uh, is terrific on this, except he's in the House of Representatives where they give you one minute to speak. At least, at least in the Senate, Rand Paul gets to speak his mind. Uh, here's uh, John Kirby, cut number two, uh, Chris on. Uh, houthis uh, a ceasefire and what joe old joe thinks he can accomplish
2: One more. does the administration believe that the houthis will stop their attacks if there is a ceasefire in gaza and does that play uh, a factor into the calculus of uh, i pushing think you it? gotta take anything the
1: houthis say with a big grain of salt we're not we're not taking what they say uh, to the bank and this idea that this is somehow about gaza it just doesn't square with the facts and that most of the ships that they're going after have nothing to do with Israel. So we're not taking anything at face value. They need to stop these attacks. We've got capabilities available to us to use it if we have to. Just
2: just to clarify, what's happening in the Red Sea, the attacks from the Houthis, does not play a factor into the calculus of whether or not you're pushing Israel for a ceasefire? No.
1: You know, I never know whether to believe him or not. I know it's difficult being a spokesperson for somebody else, but he's really a a modern-day Western version uh, of Baghdad Bob who just uh, puts spin on everything. All right, Iraq. Are forces in Iraq attacking Americans in Iraq? And does the government of Iraq want the Americans to get the hell out?
2: Yeah, the government of Iraq is desperate not to have its country turn into a battlefield between the U.S. and Iran, which seems more and more likely. You know, there's this uh, group of Shiite militias in Iraq that, you know, are associated with the security forces of the Iraqi government, but also are, you know, at the independently and on their own and they have the ability to do this because they were crucial in defeating isis in iraq when uh you know the mm-hmm. u.s policy in syria absolutely blew up and create the islamic caliphate and so because of this that these groups have a lot of sway in iraq and they're very unhappy with what the u.s is doing not just occupying iraqi territory but also backing the, the genocide of palestinians in gaza and so they've been carrying out on average about two attacks a day on u.s forces Since uh, mid-October. And Judge, you know, the real concern here is that there's a new report out in the New York Times where U.S. officials are explaining that they're worried that eventually one of these attacks is going to kill an American soldier and they will be forced. Their view, the White House's view, is that that will force them to carry an attack inside Iran and start a war with the Iranians. And so, you know, just like in that clip you played from John Kirby before, the Americans won't look at the situation here and say, oh, we have to address the situation and what's going on in Gaza. But rather, everybody else in the region must meet our demands or else we'll go to war with all of you, whether it's in Yemen, Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, or even Iran.
1: Well, every one of those countries that you mentioned, except for Iran, as far as I know, we have troops there. It's almost as if they have targets on their back. Come and get us. Oh, an American American was killed in Syria. What are Americans doing in Syria? Did I miss some declaration of war against Syria? And then as soon as this happens... Uh, Everybody from uh, Lindsey Graham to uh, Victoria Newland and everybody in between will say it's time for war. It's time to fight back. They hurt an American. They killed an American. Okay, the American didn't belong there, but they killed the American.
2: Is this their game, Kyle? It, yeah, it certainly seems like there's a lot of neoconservatives in Washington who, and Biden has allowed this to happen to himself, but, you know, they've helped Biden to paint himself into a corner here where the only solution ever to anything is escalation. And so you can't have diplomacy with the Houthis or with the Iranians in order to de escalate tensions here. No, the solution has to be that we bomb them into submission. And so Biden has, you know, said this. And what does the, the situation now call for, which is escalation? escalation after escalation. So the U.S. is gun-bombed. The Houthis are gun-bombed. The Shia militias, they'll strike back until American soldiers end up dying. And every single American soldier that dies, you'll have Trump, Nikki Haley, Lindsey Graham, all of Washington, particularly the Republicans, saying that the response has to be striking inside Iran. And eventually, you know, I'm worried they're going to get the war that they so desperately want. What happens when an American civilian is killed? A 17-year-old
1: Palestinian boy, was murdered by the IDF in the West Bank, shot once in the shoulder, once in the head, dead. He was born in Louisiana, He's American as you and I. What does the State Department do about it? What does the government give a damn?
2: Yeah, Well, the State Department actually has, you know, just for Israel, they have a special process, and this was recently reported on in The Guardian, where if Israel is accused of committing a war crime or some kind of atrocity with U.S. weapons, that would normally trigger the Leahy Law and would prevent weapons from going to, you know, the Israeli Defense Forces or at least a portion of the IDF. But rather, when it comes to Israel, they have a particular process where they have to get consensus from a whole bunch of bureaucrats that Israel really, truly did do something wrong. And then Israel gets to review it and dispute it. And through this process, Israel has been able to kill other Americans, most prominently Shereen Abu Akleh, who was a Palestinian-American journalist uh, who was killed while on duty by an Israeli soldier. And uh, this got whitewashed, uh, you know, in the American media. and Nobody cared, even though, you know, investigation after investigation proved the Israeli forces just opened up on a group of journalists and killed one What, of them. what
1: conceivable defense is there, or stated differently, what conceivable military Purpose is served by killing a journalist, killing a 17-year-old Palestinian-American boy.
2: Well, if you're going to carry out widespread war crimes, you need to target the journalists. And we've seen, you know, we saw this uh, with the killing of Abu Akhle in the West Bank a couple of years ago. But more recently, we've seen it time and time again in Gaza, where not only has Israel knocked out the communications, caused the Internet and cell phone blackout. So it's very hard for journalists to publish any information, but also just killing over 100 journalists now. Uh, Palestinian journalists have been killed by Israel and Gaza so far. So, you know, it really helps to cover up the war crimes if you're going to commit them to make sure nobody's there to report on them.
1: Uh, here's um, a gentleman who was referred to in the Irish Parliament as the butcher of Gaza. You'll recognize him immediately. Uh, cut number six uh, in uh, uh, Tel Aviv earlier today
0: we continue the war on all fronts we do not provide immunity to any terrorists not in Gaza not in Lebanon not in Syria and not anywhere else whoever tries to hurt us we hurt him regarding our hostages to date we have returned 110 of them back home and we are committed to returning them all this is one of the objectives of the war and military pressure is a necessary condition for its completion I work in this around The clock. But to be clear, I reject outright the terms of surrender of the monsters of Hamas. In exchange for the release of our hostages, Hamas demands the end of the war, the withdrawal of our forces from Gaza the release of all the murderers and rapists of the Nukba, and leaving Hamas intact. If we agree to this, our warriors fell in vain. If we agree to this, we will not be able to guarantee the security of our citizens. We will not be able to return the evacuees safely to their homes. And the next October 7th will only be a matter of time. He
1: obviously made for Uh, domestic uh, political consumption. I mean, his government, this was confirmed, I think, this morning uh, in the Israeli press, told troops to shoot and kill Israeli captives on October 7 because they knew of the military, political, and diplomatic obstacles to getting them returned. Do I have that right?
2: Yeah, so this is a new report out from Israeli media that just goes through uh, the Israeli orders given on October seventh, and this is becoming very important, Judge, because you know we were meant to believe that fourteen hundred Israeli citizens, civilians, were killed on October seventh initially, and while that number has been uh, whittled down to about seven hundred. Uh, A large portion of those now seem were killed by the Israeli military, and that would certainly go against the narrative that initially came out, which is Hamas just broke into southern Israel and butchered people uh, person after person, and that's why Israel is so... Uh, now allowed to do whatever they want in Gaza is because, you know, we've seen what happens. The Hamas butchers will get out. And so we have to kill them all, even though that's really impossible. And Netanyahu, they're talking about wanting to return the captives home is really rich. There's even reports out uh, from the Israeli war cabinet that they understand that, you know, eliminating Hamas and getting the cop- captives back are not both things that you could achieve. You could either cut a deal with Hamas to get the captives back, or uh, you could, you know, continue fighting and trying to eliminate Hamas, which isn't really an achievable objective either. But yeah, that's the Israeli uh, policy right now, which seems to be killing a a lot of its own captives in Gaza rather than trying to free them.
1: Switching to uh, Ukraine, uh, one of our uh, colleagues, um, Patrick Lancaster, called in the wee hours of Sunday morning saying there's just been uh, missiles fired uh, at a uh, an open-air market on a Sunday uh, morning uh, in Donetsk. And I'm here, and I'm ready to go on air and report it. And he did come on air, and we did do uh, an interview uh, with him yesterday. And it was heartbreaking. The bodies were still warm, and he was there. Chris is running the tapes now. We blared it so as uh, not to upset anybody by the sight of dead bodies and so as to comply with the youtube regulations which uh, we respect but patrick there he is is in front of a camera uh explaining uh that the missiles just suddenly arrived and slaughtered what at the time was 25 You counted 25 dead it turns out there were 27 um again no legitimate military purpose served by ukraine doing this there's uh there's the aftermath one of the aftermaths
2: well judge if you look at what's going on on the front lines now it's not going very well for ukraine and so it seems that you know kiev is lashing out by ordering more and more strikes on civilian targets whether inside russia or inside you know territory of Ukraine that's held by Russian forces. And uh, the people at Donetsk are paying for the failures of Zelensky and you know the Western scheme to try to weaken Russia through Ukraine. And so it, it's really disturbing. My guess is it's going to continue. And my colleague at antiwar.com uh went through and you know, after he found out that they were 155 millimeter and 152 millimeter uh, shells that were used in this massacre, he went through and saw noted that. The U.S. has transferred Ukraine about two million 155 millimeter shells and 200,000 152-millimeter shells. And so it's very likely that American weapons were used in this slaughter of civilians.
1: Have you heard uh, what, what we've seen a little bit bubbling under the surface? This has to do with war crimes, and I'm going to go back to Israel now. Uh, that South Africa may bring a complaint or a cross-complaint against the United States for being complicit in Israeli war crimes. You just reminded me of this when you reminded me that this slaughter that occurred uh, Sunday afternoon in in downtown Donetsk was perpetrated by weaponry supplied by the U.S. Uh, Would the U.S. supplying of weaponry for what we know to be genocide in uh, Gaza trigger an action against the U.S. at the International Court of Justice?
2: my my understanding is it could i'm not an expert expert on international law so i i can't say for sure you know what qualifies as actually supporting but you know in the past the us officials have been worried about their support for saudi arabia and yemen uh amounting to things that would make them uh, you know, being able to be indicted for international war crimes and uh, the the war Saudi Arabia waged against Yemen was pretty close to the level of brutality. You know, targeting a civilian infrastructure, widespread death of civilians, restricting of aid, causing uh, you know plagues and uh, starvation that that was widespread and killed a lot of people. And so, you would certainly think that Americans giving probably more support to Israel than we gave Saudi Arabia through that war uh, would, would make American officials right now in the Biden administration. So Biden, Blinken, John Kirby, and the rest of these uh, cretins would, would certainly need to be prosecuted for war crimes. Certainly, I, I think they're guilty of them on my own moral compass. The international press is
1: reporting this morning that the IDF has desecrated or destroyed 16 cemeteries in Gaza. Again, I ask, What conceivable military purpose is served by desecrating and destroying a cemetery?
2: Well, the Israeli military is going to claim that they're doing it, looking for the bodies of dead hostages to, you know, confirm that they're being killed. And again, if that's a concern of Israel, they could just negotiate a deal right now with Hamas to get their hostages back. But in reality, this seems like a part of an ethnic cleansing campaign or a genocide to me. You know, destroying the cemeteries is, in a way destroying the roots of the culture in, in that particular place and it's just a way to force the Palestinians out and uh, you know the Israeli government has said that oh Hamas is launching attacks from these cemeteries but if you look at the images it, it's clearly bulldozed it's not uh, like you know they fired an artillery round and there's a crater there they just they destroyed and desecrated these burial places and again I, I think it's a part of the genocide and ethnic cleansing campaign
1: Kyle, where is the anti-war movement in the United States is there an anti i know you work for antiwar.com but when i was your age way back when there was a huge anti-war movement against vietnam where is that anti-war movement today
2: well, I certainly hope it's building and it's coming. I will say I feel a little bit more energy in the anti-war movement now uh, than even in maybe twenty twenty-two when there was a, a good amount of people coming out against what the Biden administration wanted to do, waging a proxy war in Ukraine. Uh, but that being said, we we really need to go out and start making demands here. There, there's not enough of an anti-war movement in the U.S., and a part of it is is you know there are people who really do want to have a more restrained foreign policy. Unfortunately, all of our political leaders are all hots. And so, you, you know, even when we're presenting with choices for the upcoming election, there's not a single candidate who is calling for with, you know, ending U.S. support for Israel. That's right. that's not even an option among the top candidates.
1: We're, we're looking at uh, about 200,000 people in Washington, D.C. two Sundays ago, nowhere mentioned uh, in the mainstream media. Kyle, it's always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll come back again next week.
2: Thank you so much for having me. All the best.
1: Um, very smart young man. Coming up at four o'clock Eastern today, the great Professor John Mearsheimer. Can Israel have it both ways? Can it both destroy Hamas and save the hostages at the same time? The answer is obvious. The analysis will be something to behold. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.